Welcome to Have Hope, Will Travel. I'm your host, Katie Axelson. Last time we were together, we talked about how if Jesus only came to die for our sins, then he could have been killed with all the other baby boys in Herod's rampage in Matthew 2. But instead, Jesus teaches us how to live. We are citizens of heaven currently living on earth. We're foreigners, and that means our lives, our way of thinking, and the way we do things needs to look different compared to the world. This week, we're going to get really practical on what that could look like. But first, let's take a look at a different passage in the New Testament. The majority of the New Testament talks about what it's like to live like Jesus. Some books are stories of Jesus' life. Others are letters written to specific churches in the city they're named after, or maybe they're written to an individual. Each letter has a slightly different focus based on the needs of the audience or the points the author is trying to make. We find instructions on how to live like Jesus all over the Bible. Some of those passages are more well-known than others. Say, Galatians 5 talks about the fruit of the Spirit. It identifies the fruit as love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Or there's the love chapter in 1 Corinthians 13. You know, love is patient, love is kind. Philippians 4 is another popular one says, do not be anxious about anything. But today I want to look at a portion from Ephesians, beginning in Ephesians 4. The Apostle Paul writes, Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we are members of one body. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you're angry, and do not give the devil a foothold. Anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work doing something useful with their own hands, that they may have something to share with those in need. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building up others and according to their needs, that they may benefit those who listen. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, Forgive each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children, and walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us. He gave himself for us as a fragrant offering, a sacrifice to God. Right before this passage, Paul unpacks a lot of do's and don'ts. But what's particularly striking to me about this passage are the final verses. We've crossed from Ephesians 4 into Ephesians 5, frankly because when Paul wrote the letter it didn't have chapter numbers. There weren't verses. The whole thing flowed together. He writes, Be imitators of God, therefore, as dearly loved children, and live a life of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Right there we find our identity. Dearly loved children of God. We also find our calling to live a life of love. And we find an example of who came before us, Christ. I want to smell like Jesus. But before we go any further, I need to confess that I fall very, very short of this. I'm so grateful for grace because that's the only way I can even come close to measuring up. Today we've got some practical stories on what it could look like to live like Jesus, to encourage, to heal, and to love. These are some examples from my own life. 
They're not my best stories, my best moments. They're not my worst stories of my worst moments. There are examples everywhere, including in your own life. So as you listen, I hope you chew on two questions. The first one, what does this look like in my life right now? The second one, what could this look like in my life as I desire to look more like Jesus? Pull up a pillow. It's story time. I had just gotten back from the mission field and was participating in a servant event with a bunch of other Christians. Afterwards, we went out to dinner. I think our crew took up half of Applebee's. We talked about church and our lives. We built relationships and friendships. Before we left, I asked the waitress if we could pray for her. And I'll be honest, based on the reactions, my friends were more shocked than the waitress was by my question. They gave me a few, we don't do that here, looks. Because, you know, I was the re-entering missionary. I didn't know American church culture. The waitress asked for prayer for her daughter. People almost always ask for prayer for their children. It's the love for their children that shines through when they're offered something like prayer or help. You can only imagine that's similar to how the Heavenly Father feels about us. Honestly, I don't even remember if we prayed for our waitress right there or if we told her we'd pray for her. How I react in those situations depends on the awkward moment. When talking about Jesus, don't make it awkward. It's that simple. But I do know we left her a nice tip to bless her and her daughter. Last week at church, a woman was staring at me, trying to figure out how she knew me. I offered some potential places we could have crossed paths, and none of them resonated with her. What do you want to be when you grow up? She asked. Yeah, that's the question I use when I'm trying to figure out how I know someone, too. A writer, I said. Part of me wanted to tell this college student that I already am a grown-up. And part of me wanted to tell her that I already am a writer because I've published two ebooks and I've done it professionally for a number of years. But I had no idea where she was going with this, so I just listened to find out. She looked at me and she said, that's it! You look like a writer! You're going to be a writer! She spoke life over me. And as soon as I got home, I texted a friend about this very bizarre but not awkward experience where someone at church prophesied over me. It gave me a new way to respond when someone looks familiar and I can't figure out how. Instead of brainstorming how we might know each other, what if I ask them what they want to be known for? And what if I speak that over them? At this point in my life, most of my friends are married couples. Sometimes we go out to dinner. It happens often enough that I don't usually feel like a third wheel. I've even traveled alone with married couples, and they do it beautifully without treating me like an add-on or a third wheel or a kid. This particular couple and I had gone out for wings, and when the waiter came over with the checks, the husband said he'd take the whole bill. Without, without even thinking about it, I argued. I could pay my portion. Katie, we want to cover this for you, he said. I thanked him, because he looked like Jesus to me. The next time we went out, do you know what happened? He covered the bill again. And the third time, and the fourth time, he refuses to let me take a turn. Even in sharing this story, I want to justify why I let them pay for my meal every time. But I'm not going to. They pay for my meal because they love me well. They look like Jesus in my life.
This one you have to be careful with. Remember the rule. Don't make it awkward. But sometimes we see people in our world with a brace or a cast or a visible sign of injury or illness. If you're gentle about it, sometimes those people are willing to receive prayer. Sometimes they're so desperate for healing, they'll accept anything you offer, especially in the name of Jesus. I've got multiple coworkers and friends who aren't Christians, but they'll gladly accept prayer when they're not feeling well or if they're injured. In the context of relationship and a genuine love that I have for them, I think of it as the same as offering them an Advil. If I have the meds they need in my purse, wouldn't I share it? I have the power to heal in my heart, and his name is Jesus. In fact, the enemy wins if I choose not to share because I'm afraid how they might react. After small group one day, one of the women there who I didn't really know had a boot on her foot. And I said, hey, do you mind if we pray for you before we leave? And she said, yes. We prayed for her. And that boot actually became uncomfortable. We'll talk more about healing later. And I had to encourage her to continue to wear the boot until her doctor told her otherwise. But there was a distinct difference after we prayed. A year or two ago, my dad was in a UTV accident. A UTV is like a glorified golf cart. It's a golf cart meets an ATV. I'll post a picture on Instagram. His went 75 feet down a mountain cliff in the middle of nowhere. One tire missed the road and there was no recovering. He remembers pulling his hands to his chest because people lose limbs on tumbles like that. People lose their lives on tumbles like that. Praise the Lord for the roll bar on the top of the UTV. It literally saved their lives. We've talked to the EMTs and they said as soon as they got the call about his accident, they knew it was going to be bad. Every part of it was bad. The ambulance took him to the hospital a little bit further away because it had a better head trauma unit. Dad didn't have his driver's license or his phone with him. So his friends are calling all the local hospitals trying to find where he is. It didn't work because he wasn't at one of the local hospitals. He was at the trauma center in the nearest big city. Not having his phone meant he didn't have any phone numbers to call anyone to tell them where he was. It's funny when he tells the story because he asked if he could use the hospital's phone and they gave him a list of seven digits to dial before dialing the phone number. He goes, I had a head injury. I could barely tell them my name and I had to dial seven digits correctly and then hope that I had a phone number memorized. Thankfully, dad doesn't give up easily. So we started dialing any number he had memorized, hoping he would get someone helpful. And thankfully, our family's phone numbers are all in a row. So the odds were high that he would get someone. On the third try, he did. And let me just tell you, you don't ever want to get a call from your dad in the trauma center with a head injury. Been there, done that. Thank the Lord. All things considered, he's fine. Some stitches and some really impressive bruises he's fine. The UTV, different story. A few days later, he decided he needed to buy a new one, and the two of us go for a ride. We drive past the scene of the accident, and we pull over to look for his sunglasses, but the mountain's too steep to really search. 
if that gives you any idea of how steep this cliff was that they went off. And then we get back to the UTV and he goes, it's your turn to drive. Now, mind you, I don't really like the UTV. I like it because dad likes it. And I like time with dad. But I don't enjoy riding in it. It's too loud and bouncy. I definitely don't enjoy driving it. It doesn't handle like a car. This was also only a few months after I crashed my car. Now dad just crashed his UTV. We went through a lot of vehicles that year. So I climb into the driver's seat and I kick it into drive and we go home. And dad goes, hey, take a left here. Let me just tell you, there is no left here. It's a trail. It's a trail that's just wide enough for a UTV. A one-way journey through the mountain. There's no turning around. There's no changing your mind. There's no going back. So I took a left. And now we're off-roading in this brand new UTV. And by we're off-roading, I mean I'm driving this vehicle I don't even like. And dad, well, dad's so bruised that every bump he groans. The noises I heard from the passenger seat were very impressive. Significant pain. And there's nowhere I can turn around. So we're bouncing along over tree branches, under low-hanging branches, through a bee's nest. Whole list of everything that you encounter when you're off-roading. And every time we hit a bump, I apologize. When we're about to hit a bump, I warn him, you know, as if he can't see it himself. And I apologize. And every time we get to a point where the trail widens just a little bit, I ask if he wants me to try to turn around. It'd be a 50-point turn, but we could try to make it. And every time he said, no, you're doing great. Keep going. We'd hit a bump, and he'd go, you're doing great. Keep going. Amidst his own grunts and groans, he's telling me to keep going. He's affirming and encouraging me. And he looked so much like Jesus. So today I want to leave you with a question. Where in your own life do you see people looking like Jesus? Call them out. Tell them they're beautiful. Thank them for loving you well, for encouraging you, for helping you heal. I'd love to hear your story. You can find me on Instagram at Katie Axelson, or you can email it to me, katie at katieaxelson.com. Share it with somebody else. Call out the beauty you're seeing in your own world. I hope that you encountered God today. I hope that you saw Jesus in some of these stories from my life and that you saw him in your own life as well. If this podcast is helpful to you, I'd love it if you could leave a rating as well as a review. That helps others find it as well. And you can go ahead and directly share it with somebody. Say you look like Jesus to me. Thanks for listening. We'll be back in two weeks.